So, welcome to Down the Beaten Shaft. Uh, this is my first podcast, and actually this is my first episode as well. Um, I'm your host, Colin, and I'll let my co-host introduce himself. I am Chris Zemieski. I'm also known as uh, Lee Dan Katan, and I am a music artist on all streaming platforms. Yeah, and I, I decided to have Chris on my podcast today because uh, I don't know anybody else my age or in my uh, peer group that is as experienced, knowledgeable about the MCU, Star Wars, or even just pop culture in general when it goes to gaming, cinema, um, and even music. As he said, he's a music artist, so having him on the show is a pleasure, and I hope that everyone else likes him just as much as I do. Um, so our topic today is really going to be more towards um, Spider-Man and the MCU and how Sony decided to cut ties with Disney and the Disney MCU and kind of just go their own way with Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man has always been like the epicenter of the MCU. You know, when he was introduced in the Civil War, everyone was marveled over it. You know, everyone loved him and everyone wanted to see his own standalone movies. And then when uh, Far From Home came out and Venom came out, everyone was wondering where they, where Spider-Man was going to go, you know, where he was going to be, where that left him off. And then we came to... Uh, that was, with the ending, it left it off on a huge cliffhanger. It introduced J. Jonah Jameson, MJ and him got together. Um, and then right after that, literally probably a week and a half after that happened, Sony cut ties. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like you just wake up one morning and it just kind of smacks you in the face. You go on your phone, you go on social media, and it's all over the place. And honestly, like, my feelings towards it is just like... It's kind of a mixture between sad, angry, and confused. It's just like, you don't, it's just, it just makes you wonder, like, how it's going to affect MCU. Like, are, are there going to be those people that, like, end up not watching the MCU altogether just because of this small thing, mm-hmm. you know? You know, and, and I agree with you, you know, that's, that's kind of how I feel with, you know, Spidey, again, has always been my favorite Marvel character, you know, even when it came to before the MCU was even made, you know, I was always a huge Spider-Man, and then when they started introducing Spy- uh, Iron Man, they started introducing Iron Man, they started introducing Captain America, I was always waiting for a good Spider-Man movie, and I'm not even going to talk about the Andrew Garfield movies, because fuck that shit, Andrew Garfield, was, <laughs> he wasn't even a Spider-Man, I, I watched the movies and I hated him, um... And, you know, when, when they started introducing Tom Holland to the, into the MCU, like, just as Stan Lee said, I, I agree with Stan Lee, he is Spider-Man. You know, Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Like, Absolutely. When I saw him, that's Peter Parker. Like, that, you know, it, it, there's no one that represents Peter Parker in such a way that Tom Holland does, you know. I, I mean, what do you think of Tom Holland? I mean, I think he's a great Spider-Man. I mean, I feel like you were more in tune with the comics than I was but you know the way you described him in the comics it really does match up the way Tom Holland portrayed Spider-Man in the MCU and you know I think that that's honestly the best that Spider-Man will ever get at this point and it's a really big deal I mean I remember I remember when I was like 12 years old I would watch the uh what is it called the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes animated show on Netflix and There was a certain episode where Spider-Man actually came into play and he became an Avenger. And I was like, from that point on, I was like, whoa, is this going to happen in like the actual live action movies? And I hoped for it for a really long time. And I know me and you have different, we, me and you have very different views on the Andrew Garfield movies. I mean, Andrew Garfield played a very different Spider-Man. Um, 
you know, he was kind of like the cool kid. He wasn't a nerd. He wasn't he wasn't geeky. I mean, he was geeky in some ways, but you know, he was skateboarding down hallways and doing all that. And it just wasn't really the Spider-Man that most people know and love from the comics. And I I get that. Um, I mean, I still liked, I still liked how it was different from the original Spider-Man, but you know, at that point I was like, I really hope Andrew Garfield becomes a part of the MCU. But at the same time, I was also really satisfied with um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man because, you know, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. That's all I wanted from the beginning. It doesn't matter if it was Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland. I just wanted Spider-Man to be a part of the MCU. And when I first saw him come into play into the Civil War trailer, I was just like, man, this is it. It's finally happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, when I was like 15 years old or so? That was like in the year 2015. Now it's 2019. And we've had four years to get to know and love this character. And now it's like, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily gone because I know that uh, Sony is planning on making a sequel, mm-hmm. but it's going to be apart from the MCU, which doesn't make much sense to me. Because the big thing after Endgame is that Peter Parker was supposed to take on Tony Stark's legacy. How will he do that now? Yeah, and you know I, I completely agree. Like with uh, with Andrew Garfield, it my it was just it was more the way that the, the producers decided to like how they decided to portray him. You know, uh, like you said, he was a cool kid. And with me, when it comes to Tom Holland, like when I was reading the comics and sitting down, it was like Tom Holland's voice was Peter Parker. You know, like that. Yeah. Like the, the younger kid. Again, Peter Parker has always been described as a kid that wants to help out. That's what Spider-Man is. He was he was a fourteen-year-old. He was a, he was a you know sophomore, junior in high school. While Andrew Garfield, you know, it's like oh yeah, he's in high school in the first movie, and then the second movie came around, and it was like oh yeah, he's graduating in the first fifteen minutes. So it was a very different piece of it. But you know, I I completely con- concur with the fact that I would have settled for anybody being Spider-Man in the MCU. Tom Holland just happened to be the breadwinner. You know, he was he was number one for me. I I would choose Tom Holland over Tobey Maguire and emo Tommy mcguire and even uh over andrew garfield um but no yeah i I really want to see what it what tom holland does with sony spider-man you know it he has confirmed that like you know this is left behind like it was a great five years you know i was reading an article that um he was sad to see it go i mean everybody was sad to see it go but he was reminiscing in a way that it was uh very it was very forthgoing you know like as if he was talking that there was more to it than that you know, he was, oh, yeah, I missed the five years, and those were a great five years, but, you know, there was that but in there that I felt him, like, you know, trying to communicate to everybody through social media, which is hard, but at the same time, he was still kind of showing some foresight as if Spider-Man still existed in a way, you know, and Spider-Man was confirmed to be part of the Venom movie, you know, Carnage has been confirmed too, but that's another topic, um, but, you know, it... it it, it just it begs you to consider what will Tom Holland continue to add for Sony? You know, because like that Spider-Man, like Spider-Man is Sony's breadwinner again. Like every other thing that they own is eh, okay. Every movie that they've made, eh, okay. But Spider-Man has always been their number one. You know, even when the when Andrew Garfield movies were coming out, everyone was super stoked because it was Sony's first interpretation of Spider-Man. Um, which was really, like, really, really interesting. Like, the new interpretation of him, aside from Tobey Maguire. Um, so Tom Holland, you know, they built something that everybody loves. No one has ever argued about Tom Holland being the correct Spider-Man. Not even Stan Lee, the man himself, you know. So when it comes to pushing forward with Sony, I don't think Sony has any 
big, massive plans with Spider-Man. Um, their game hit really well. I loved the game. Everybody loved the game. Um, it was it had a lot of callbacks to longtime fans. Um, everybody loved that. And you know the game is. I, I know you know they're gonna keep building on top of the game. Maybe even release a couple more games. But when it comes to cinema, I think I think they're done for now. I think they're kind of just waiting to see how fans react and mustering up how can we add Spider-Man to the MCU, you know, because again, now he's, Iron Man looked at him and Tony Stark was like, you are me, like you're supposed to be me, who Iron Man was is now who you represent going forward, so without Tom Holland in the MCU and without Spider-Man in the MCU, there is no mantle for Iron Man to be giving anyone now, you know, Tom Holland had it, Spider-Man had it, and now it's just empty like as if yeah. as if you got thanos snapped absolutely know? and you know iron man was definitely um the heart of the mcu in a lot of ways so it's it's it really is a huge deal and as far as um as far as sony and their future plans with them i mean i know that um i do know that they're planning on releasing another sequel but if they did i don't think that they would do very well in box office because you know a lot of people are angry it, it's gonna it's gonna be like a it's gonna be like a flop for them mm -hmm. is i kind of see this in a way like this is the end for spider-man yeah like he's dead unless something miraculous happens where you know they give they give the fans what they want but i don't see that happening anytime soon no yeah i, I mean you, you know, I, I agree with you you know it's again spider-man's kind of dead in the water right now unless something massive were to happen or there were to be some kind of agreement that sony and disney were to come to which i doubt will happen spider-man's just kind of out there man like he's just kind of floating in space you know he's I, I i would really like to see him be a part of the mcu again and as much as i i would like to see that happen i know that this might be uh, like, you know, every every end has a new beginning, and with a new beginning can come great things. Um, as we, you know, as again, we saw with fucking Tom Holland, it was a reboot. It was a reboot of Andrew Garfield, and everyone was like, oh, another fucking Spider-Man, and it happened to be the best Spider-Man we've seen in cinema. Um, so, I mean, even with the MCU, you know, if they were to continue creating Tom Holland Spider-Man movies... They could do it, and they could pull it off. Like you said, it wouldn't be as big of a box office hit because it doesn't have Disney's hand in it. It doesn't have Disney's funding. It doesn't have Disney's back. Like, you know, Disney isn't backing up Sony when it comes to Spider-Man anymore. So if they were to create a movie with Spider-Man, including Tom Holland, which in and out of itself would be hard, they wouldn't be able to reference the fact that Iron Man and, and Spider-Man ever had, like, a friendship or, like, a father-son-ship, you know, um... They wouldn't be able to record like, to, like reference any of that. You know, it would just be Spider-Man alone. They wouldn't be able to reference how Spider-Man was at all involved in Infinity War, or that Spider-Man died in Infinity War, or that anything like that. You know, it it would just be Spider-Man, Spider-Man heroes, Spider-Man villains. They wouldn't be able to re like reference any other part of the MCU, which is the deal breaker for me. Exactly. It would be like it would be like having a sequel without any reference whatsoever to the movies beforehand and. It's just a really awkward feeling for everybody. You yeah. know, nobody wants that. Exactly. And, you know, that, that kind of begs to the, the question of where does that leave the MCU now? Because Sony is at a stalemate. They're at this point now where it's like, we can't use Spider-Man because the one that we've just spent, like, millions of dollars creating and outputting into the world that everybody loves, 
we can't use him anymore. He's again, he's untouchable, you know. And even with the MCU, they also cut that off. They cannot touch Spider-Man. Spider-Man was beloved, you know. I mean, what in Infinity War at the end of Infinity War, who was the one person that every like that got a reaction out of everybody when he died? It was Spider-Man. Like, Spider like it, it was the most emotional. Everybody was centered around it. Oh my God, why did Spider-Man die? Like, even the next day when we were talking to people about it or even communicating over social media, oh, I can't believe Spider-Man died. It, it became the next internet meme, you know? People were posting all over social media, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that kind of comes to the point where it's like, you know, Disney shot themselves in their own fucking foot and, you know, it was... It was Disney's action and Marvel's consequence, or uh, Sony's consequence, you know, and everybody's suffering for it. Everyone who loves Spider-Man, everyone that wanted to see more from Spider-Man, even, even Disney. And now they cannot mm -hmm. use their most beloved character, and Sony also cannot use their most beloved character, which kind of... It, it, it's scary for the future, you know, even when it comes into phase four, you know, you probably didn't want to, there probably wasn't going to be a lot of Spider-Man involved in, in phase four, you know, like Black Widow, that, I can't see that, you know, that's back in no. the 80s, back in the 70s, yeah. 60s, you know, well, the only one that I could have ever seen it going into and Spider-Man being involved with was the Fantastic Four, which is years ahead of us, you know, so... Mm -hmm. It, it, it's scary to see what Spider-Man might become, what Sony might want to do with Spider-Man. Besides the game, I thought the game was perfect. Um, I thought it was wonderful in every single way. I love the references. I love the callbacks to longtime fans. But with the MCU, you know, again, it's it's dead in the water. We're not going to see much more of that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The MCU is in a very awkward state right now. I mean, if you look at Phase 4... It looks like um, most of what we're getting is actually going to be Disney Plus shows uh, based on other characters that we've learned to, you know, know and love. It's just, it's weird, you know, because we've gotten so connected with these characters and now most of them won't even be in these movies anymore. We're not going to see any more Robert Downey Jr., no more Chris Evans. I'm not sure if Chris Hemsworth is casted for Thor and Love and Thunder because I heard that Jane was going to take on the mantle of Thor and, and Thor Love and Thunder. Uh... That's that's gonna be weird, you know. Like I don't know how I feel about that to be honest. Especially since she kind of dropped off of the MCU right after Thor: The Dark World. You know, she wasn't in Thor: Ragnarok. There was just a, a reference to her where she was just kind of like, "Oh yeah, me and Jane broke up." Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of like a Pepper and Tony Stark kind of deal where Pepper yeah. just kind of fucking disappeared from Iron Man 3 like Iron Man 3 was cool and everybody was like oh yeah Pepper and then after that it was like nope uh, anytime you see Tony anytime anything was like brought about Pepper it was like oh yeah we're not together or we're far apart or whatever you know you always knew that there was something there same with um Thor and um Thor and Jane you know they were, you knew that they they were inseparable they fell in love in the beginning you know that they were just going to cut that off and destroy the storyline you know but with, you know, Pepper, she eventually came back. Well, Jane, I would love to see her come back in Thor Love and Thunder. That's, you know, again, like I, like you said, she's supposed to be cast as the new Thor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Chris Hemsworth even told Marvel, I remember reading about this a couple weeks ago, about how Chris Hemsworth said, you know, I want to be the new, like, I, I, I don't mind them contracting me to be Thor again. And, you know, even Tom Holland, when it came back to Tom Holland with Spider-Man, like, I would love to be Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man's who I want to be. He is still up for grabs for Spider-Man. Like, you know, as much as everything that's going on right now sucks, like, you know he's not going to be involved in Phase 4. Um, 
And it's, you know, it is very Spider-Man lacking. There is no Spider-Man in the in Phase 4 as far as we can see. But at the same time, you know, Spider-Man built up. I thought he had one of the best story arcs. How he went from this, you know, there was no backstory of how he became Spider-Man. It was Tony Stark walking into his apartment like, hey, that's that's you, motherfucker. Like, I know you're, I know you're Spider-Man. Like, and so then it picked up from there where he was this kid that was really smart, he was going through all of his classes, and Tony saw potential in him, and then it led to fucking, you know, Spider-Man dying the next fucking movie in Infinity War. No, actually, I think that was the same movie. Spider-Man literally dying, you know, and Tony being like, oh, fuck. And then it was reversed in Endgame, where, you know, now now Spider-Man's a part of the Avengers. He's a 14-year-old kid experiencing loss, experiencing war, um, experiencing death itself, seeing his friend that brought him and made him who he is today die not to mention going out in outer fucking space as a fucking 15 year old kid yeah exactly (laughs) he was very courageous and you could see that in spider-man like again most of the other spider-mans were like eh while in dude far from home oh my god like it just it felt good spider-man doing the inevitable you know doing everything on his own so it's like after Endgame, the first taste we got of the end of Phase 3 and going into Phase 4 was far from home. Leaving us off with that and then saying, oh, just kidding, Spider-Man's gone. You know, Thanos snapped out of fucking existence. It's, I mean, we're, we're, it's scary, you know? It, it, phase 4 looks really, really good. And the MCU has, I mean, I, I trust the MCU or when it comes to making um, more movies about characters that I have not seen. Even Captain Marvel. I was very shaky about that. I still don't know how I feel about the movie, even though it was released months and months ago. Um, I still don't know how I feel about it, but they've done really well with setting characters that we're unfamiliar with and introducing us into names that most regular people who are interested in the MCU probably have never heard of. You know, like Shang-Chi. Not a lot of people have probably heard about him. You know? I haven't. Even the Multiverse really of Madness. Like, Multiverse of Madness, that, that is literally a horror realm based around Doctor Strange. You know, I, I don't even remember that. I remember we were talking about that and I was like, I have no idea what the fuck that is, dude. Like, it's probably this, or it might be this, or whatever, but I don't know what Multiverse of Madness is. So it's like, it... I trust the MCU when it comes to Phase 4, but I think it without Spider-Man, it's going to be very hard to have a, a very set base, you know? Because again, yeah. throughout, throughout the MCU and Phase 1, 2, and 3, we knew where it was going. We knew that it was leading up to Infinity War when, when, when they introduced Thanos, you know? At the end of uh, the first Avengers, it was like, oh yeah, here's Thanos. So we knew where it was going. We knew Infinity War was coming. We knew what was going on. We knew that Iron Man, since it was the first movie, he was going to be the baseline of it. Here's Infinity War. Here's Iron Man. And here's the story leading up to that. Now, ending with Phase 3, going into Phase 4, it was Spider-Man. It was Iron Man saying, here's Spidey. Here's the mantle of the baseline for Phase 4. And now it's completely gone. So with all these movies that we're looking at, you know, Black Widow, Eternals, WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, the What If series, Thor, Love and Thunder, there is no connection between any of that. Unless they can find a way to create a baseline that is not the Spider-Man slash Tom Holland that we love and know, it's going to be very hard for the MCU to pick up where they left off. Absolutely, I agree. It's just gonna be weird. It's gonna be almost like Peter Parker never existed in the MCU. You know, without regarding all that, you know, uh, looking at this picture here, uh, the original picture that they released for the plan of Phase Four. Did you see 
Uh, I think it's about maybe like a week and a half ago. They also introduced three more things that are, that they're going to be I releasing. Don't know. What are they doing? There's going to be Miss Marvel. No joke. Whoever that is, I don't know who that is. Uh, Moon Knight. Yeah, Moon and Knight. Then oh yeah. This one I'm really excited for. They're going to be doing She Hulk. That that's really cool. I'm actually really excited about that. Yeah, Moon Knight especially. I mean, Moon Knight's like the way that I've always seen Moon Knight is he was like a he was like Batman, but not Batman of the Marvel universe. You know, I, everyone compares Iron Man and Batman, but Moon Knight was kind of like that caped crusader. You know, he was the one that did the dirty work, and even with She Hulk, dude, that I mean, like. People know who She-Hulk is. As long, if you know who Hulk is, you probably know who She-Hulk is. Yeah, so absolutely. So building off of that and introducing, hey, here's She-Hulk, you know, in Phase 4. That's awesome, you know. It's, it's adding mm-hmm. into shit that we want to see. Again, now that they've gotten rid of Spider-Man, like, you have to add in people and movies and characters that we know and love, you know. Because, again, like Shang-Chi... You know, Loki, people don't really know Loki's backstory. What if? People probably don't even know what that is. You know, Eternals, the Eternals is kind of shaky as well, you know. Um, So adding all these what ifs into phase four is very scary for fans like me and fans like you. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, you're just kind of like, dang, this isn't what I grew up with. This isn't what I know. Yeah. But at the same time, you know. Uh, you grew up with Marvel movies, you know their potential, you know how well they are at making movies, and how they really uh, hit you in an emotional way where you just, you fall in love with them, and they honestly become a part of your life, that uh, an important part of your life, you know? I know a lot of people use these movies and shows even to, um, just to cope with their everyday life, you know? It's like an escape, it's a, it's a whole nother universe to escape in, and it's just, it's amazing, yeah. you know and yeah there's there's gonna be a really a really big wound without spider-man yeah so it's just you see all this you're like i don't know what this is i mean most people don't yeah but you know i think the biggest uh anticipation was having spider-man and having spider-man take on his legacy tony stark's legacy and it, it's it's very weird yeah. It's awkward. Exactly. And uh, like I was saying earlier with, with them, the MCU starting with Iron Man, they, that was deliberate. They specifically chose Iron Man to be the first movie in the MCU. And I remember going and seeing that in theaters when I was like six, seven, eight, whatever, you know, I was, I was young when I saw that. And that was the face of it. You know, every, even movies like uh, the, the Incredible Hulk. You know, that was supposed to be part of the MCU. Now it's kind of just like its own little movie. But Tony Stark appears in that at the end of it. And he's like, I'm putting a team together. Tony Stark was there every step of the way. So again, he was the face of phase one, two, three. Um, And then when he was killed in the end of three in Endgame, it was transferred to Spider-Man. And Spider-Man was the the first movie after Infinity War or after the Endgame and Infinity War to be like, here's phase four and here's Spider-Man right after phase three. So it's kind of like it transferred over to Spidey. Like, now that we're done with the Thanos, Tony Stark, um, Infinity War storyline, here's Spider-Man. So again, he was. I feel like they were trying to set Spider-Man to be the face of Phase 4, just like Iron Man was 1 through 3. So it's... It's questionable, and like you said, you know, most of these people, most of these shows and stories, not a lot of people are familiar with. Well, all of Phase 1 through 3, a lot of people knew who those characters were, you know? Yeah. Ant-Man, all the way to Black Panther, you know, and even with White Wolf, with the Winter Soldier, not a lot of people knew who the Winter Soldier was before he was introduced in Captain America, you know? And then they kind of built that up, like, here's Bucky Barnes, you know, here's the Winter Soldier, here's, here's that character, 
And then, you know, then all the way through Civil War up into Infinity War when he became the White Wolf, then that's, you know, people kind of knew who that was then. And he was kind of like a sideline character except for in Winter Soldier. And Phase 4, you know, it's kind of hard with, oh yeah, here's all these different names and how are they going to correlate together to become part of Phase 5 and 6, you know, pushing into the next big storyline, which in my opinion, I think is going to be Galactus because at the end of Far From Home, seeing Nick Fury in, in space, I mean, who else but Galactus, you know, and how, yeah. how do these characters mean anything when it comes to building up to question mark, Galactus, question mark. I don't know if I should or not, but you know, there's still like there's still a little a little bit of hope in me. Um and the reason why is because of all the fan backlash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean I mean I am um, a couple of days ago, not even a couple of days ago, just recently I've been on social media on Instagram and I've gone to both Disney and Sony's page and you just go to their recent posts, it's just constant backlash of fans just like commenting over and over again and i know this may be a little bit off subject but um there is a a youtuber called a he's a star wars youtuber called star wars theory and he made his own uh he made his own uh star wars fan film which did really well and a lot of fans loved it apparently there was like some type of copyright issues where um, a Lucasfilm caught him for using some type of music or whatever. There was like a 10 second part in the film where like the music was similar to the movie music, yeah, you know, which is copyright. and um, sure enough, there was enough fan backlash for Disney and Lucasfilm to be like, OK, fine, you're good. You know, you can monet- you don't have you can't monetize with your video, but it's it's still your video. Yeah, I think what they were trying to do was to take the rights of the video and say that it was theirs. I think that's what happened and you know a lot of people were angry so i mean with that being said looking at all the fan backlash you know it's it's gonna be bad for their business both disney and and sony you know there's gonna they're gonna be losing a lot of business and support from the fans and the fans is what you know the fans is what builds their company that's what keeps them going they don't they don't run the companies by themselves yeah, exactly. And you could see that kind of you could see that in play when it comes to DC. I mean, look at the MCU. What I mean, I remember when um, when the first Avengers came out, it became you know it hit box office like number one and two immediately. It was up there with Avatar and Titanic, and everybody saw it and everybody knew about it. And then after that was really when Marvel took off with the MCU. They started going into Phase Two and Phase Three, and it, it just got better. Graphics got better, character arcs and storylines got better and everything just like you know it just blew up and the center of attention when it came to cinema was what is marvel going to do next wow with dc it was like oh yeah here's here's man of steel here's batman versus man of steel and here's the justice league and you saw that the fans did not respond to that well they were like okay we don't like this we don't know what you're doing sorry dc you're kind of you're fucking up really bad people thought that they were trying to copy marvel and i agree with that you know they were trying to i mean it is really hard to put up a series against marvel again marvel has always been the head of comics like you know it DC was detective comics, you know, it was, it was more low-key, while Marvel was like, here's all these crazy superheroes and all this, and you know, when the MCU started, that's when, you know, the Dark Knight movies started coming out, so you could see DC slowly trying to counteract that, they just didn't have enough momentum to be able to catch up with Marvel, so when Justice League came out, it was 
way behind its time. It was, it could have been better. The characters should have been built up more. You know, again, Iron Man was built up through three movies. Captain America was built up through three movies. They had many movies setting up to, here's Infinity War. You know, it was 10, 13, whatever, however many years, I think it was 13, 14 years, that they built up to Infinity War. And DC was like, here's two movies, here's Justice League. You know, they kind of just threw it at you. So, and, and fans not respond to it well, and now you can see... DC hasn't said anything about the future of cinema, what they're going to do next, how they're, if they're even going to do a new Justice League or if they're going to reboot. Uh, ben Affleck has backed out of being Batman, you know, so it's like you could see that fans definitely do have a hand when it comes to how the movies go and what they want to see. And Marvel was like, here, you want to see this? Here we go. Here's our interpretation. Here's our money. Here's our actors. There you go. And fans were like, this is awesome. Like, this is exactly what we wanted to see. And DC was different. You know, DC was like, here's what we want. Here's what we want you to see there. And fans were like, nope, fuck that. Done. Like, yeah, you know. I agree. And, you know, it took me a long, long, long time to finally watch Justice League. I think I watched it like about a month ago. And I was watching it. And my whole thing before I started watching this is like, oh, I'm going to see how this compares to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw... I saw Wonder Woman prior to watching the Justice League. I think my main thing was is that it wasn't as believable as the MCU mm-hmm. for some reason. Like you looked at all the fighting scenes and the action scenes and the CGI and everything, and it just it wasn't as believable. It didn't seem as realistic as the MCU was. You know, when you when you look at the MCU, it's like wow, this is like right here. It looks like something that could actually happen in in our real world, mm-hmm. but I just didn't get the same feeling with watching DC. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Again, even when it comes to the way that they filmed the actual movies, like, you know, when I watch Avengers and I watch through all of them, it's like bright, you know, it's in a very bright setting. And, you know, there are dark moments and things like that that happen, but the entire movie was bright. Like, here's heroes, you know, they're doing hero things. They're saving people. Here's Captain America in really bright blue clothing and here's all that. And then in DC, it was, you know, it had a very darker tone to it. Um, The entire film itself just felt like I was watching what I was supposed to be watching, but darker. So, you know, I see what you mean there with the comparison. You know, Marvel, again, was, it was light. It was, here's heroes in a dark time, but heroes always prosper. Here's what's going on. And, you know, it, it didn't really get into that darker tone until Infinity War set in when they started killing off characters and, you know, everyone was losing hope, but the colors were still vibrant and the heroes were still very personable while DC, again, it just, it felt darker. They had very dark colors when they made the films and the characters didn't have much like attention and they weren't very personable. So, you know, it, and another thing is with the, even with Avengers, you know, and with MCU, there was a lot of jokes. There was a lot of comedy. You know, I remember that you would go to the movies and there'd be multiple times where people would be laughing. You know, there was a lot of comedic sense added into it. While with DC, it was serious the entire time. You know, it was very, again, dark, serious, straightforward. Here's what we want you to see. Well, MCU was, here's what you want to see, you know, and that that's the biggest draw between the two. And the fan bases definitely have control of that. You know, the MCU, I, I don't think the MCU has messed up since Iron Man 1. Like, since the first film has come, come out, I don't think they messed up once. Like, you know, well, 
the entire way of watching DC grow, it was like, eh, okay. Like, Man of Steel was like, okay, whatever, you know. Here's Metropolis, you know, it's fully rebuilt, whatever, cool. You know, so it just, it kind of pushes you to think, like, MCU has always held that really, really high pedestal that the fans rightfully so paid attention to and put all of their motivation into and here's what we want to see while DC's always been on that bottom. Yeah, I agree with that and it's again with like connecting with characters I know that in the DC universe there wasn't really much connecting with the universe. I mean to me I'm not a big DC fan but to me I would consider Batman a very big DC character. Yeah. But he didn't really get his own solo movie before then he kind of just showed up in Batman versus Superman. You know, there was we didn't get any time to connect with him. He was just there. Yeah. Just kind of showed up. And it's just, you know, I would if it were me, I would consider Batman the heart of the DC rather than Superman. That's just me though. I don't know how other people feel because again, I'm not a huge DC fan, but that's just who I would consider like the face of DC is Batman. Yeah. But he didn't really get a solo movie, but mm. Superman did. Wonder Woman did even even Aquaman did. Yeah. How how does that happen? Yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't even know who Aquaman was before that happened, and then he just kind of shows up. It's it's just weird. And whereas in the MCU, Iron Man got two solo movies before the Avengers. Yeah. Iron Man one and Iron Man two. You got time to know the character. You got time to understand how he became iron man why he became iron man and why he he continues to be iron man and why he keeps doing what he does and then in the avengers is kind of like his climax where you know he puts the missile through the wormhole and after that he kind of he he gets a post-traumatic stress he gets he becomes really paranoid that they're going to come back you know there's that line in avengers age of ultron where you know he where he's like trying to protect the world by creating Ultron but he failed because that kind of backfired but you know he his whole plan from that point on after Avengers 1 was to protect the world he wanted to put a suit of armor around the world and it just you have a really good idea of what his motives are I didn't really see much of Superman's motives yeah. and I don't know I remember the very first time like you kind of felt um you kind of felt some sorrow for Iron Man. I think I think the first time, I mean, besides when he like got post-traumatic stress in Iron Man 3, I think the very first time I actually felt emotional watching Iron Man was in Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. is when he finds out that Bucky Barnes killed his parents because, you know, he was brainwashed by Hydra. Yeah. And, you know, you saw him, he was so angry. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, Tony Stark is capable of becoming angry? Like, the first two movies, you know, he was a, a cocky son of a bitch. Yeah. You know, he was always cocky, he was funny, he was, um, he was, he was just Tony Stark, you know? Yeah. And it was just, it was really nice to be able to feel some type of sorrow or sympathy towards Tony Stark and, and Civil War. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. You like there was always that distinct line, you know, between like Tony Stark and Iron Man. Like again, like in the first one, Tony Stark's really cocky, but when he's Iron Man, he's trying to save people. You know, there's not crazy amounts of dialogue that are like, oh yeah, that's Tony Stark in that suit of armor. Like I felt like there was always a difference between Iron Man and Tony Stark, and then 
throughout the entire series up into Infinity War, that's when, like, you know, when he lost Spider-Man, you know, you, you can kind of see that, like, oh, here's Tony Stark and Iron Man in one. You know, you can kind of see them morph into each other. So, you know, you can... You can kind of see, again, like, the... How, in Endgame, Tony Stark and Iron Man, they were no longer different faces. You know, um... When, when Spider-Man died, it was like, holy shit, like... Here's Tony Stark wearing Iron Man armor, but he's fucked up. You know, he just lost somebody. You know, he just got stabbed. So it's kind of just like pushing it together. And at the end of Endgame, it was like, here's Tony Stark again, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, dealing with Pepper not being around. In, in Iron Man 3, he even said like, I can't sleep at night. You know, I have continuous nightmares. So it's kind of like, there's, there's Tony Stark. And then Iron Man has always been the face of the MCU, like, oh yeah, I'm going to be the first one to go into combat, and I'm going to be the first one to do this, like, I am super strong, like, the proud hero that we all need, that is Tony Stark, I am Iron Man, you see Tony Stark, but he is Iron Man, it just kind of mashed the two together, like, here's everything in Tony Stark that people can relate to, to dealing with war-like problems of their own and, you know, being depressed and having all these problems. And then here's Iron Man, who is the proud person who always is the forefront of everything. He was the hero that everybody needed and everybody deserved. And then, yeah, here's them together. I am Iron Man. I just kind of squeeze them together, you know, like that was what made Iron Man so great. And the DC never had anything like that. It was like, yeah, here's Superman. He's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and then at the end of fucking, at the end or the beginning of Batman versus Superman, it's like, oh, here's here's Man of Steel. You know, here's Batman and here's Superman. And now Superman's not being so fucking cool. Like he's being kind of a dick. And then Batman's like, oh yeah, cool Batman. Oh Batman, you know, there was that huge dispute of, oh my god, Batman kills people in this fucking movie. Like, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yes. Here's Batman. He's badass. He's cool, you know? Like, And then it kind of came into the battle, and it was like, really? Like, the, the coolest heroes, which are cool or not cool, to be, you know, to be determined by whoever's watching is like, he said Martha, and then it was over. Like, their fight was over right then and there. While with, with Civil War, it was Iron Man versus Captain America. It was like, yeah, like, Captain America's backing someone who's been his best friend, who pretty much made him the proud patriot and soldier that he is today. And here's Iron Man, who's fighting against that person, Bucky Barnes, and is like, wow, you fucking killed my parents, whether you knew it or not. So it was like, both had two sides, while it was like, Man of Steel was like, oh yeah, I'm fighting for my mom. And Batman's like, oh, I don't have a mom. And then they start fighting, you know? Like, and there yeah. was no backing behind it. So MCU has was, always had that upper hand in character development. There was definitely a lot of motive for both uh, Captain America and Iron Man in Civil War. You know, there's this, there are these lines where, you know, he's like, Captain America says, no, Iron Man says, you know, I don't care. You know, he killed my mom. And then Captain America says, well, he's my friend. And then Iron Man responds with, I was too. Yeah. You know, so there's that there's that tension there where it's like, oh my god, this is this is really crazy. It's like two friends fighting for against each other and for each other in a way. It's just um you know, you feel you feel a lot of tension there. Regarding back to uh Iron Man and uh an endgame. No, Infinity War, sorry, it's actually an Infinity War. You talked about how he had lost somebody. I mean, he didn't only lose somebody. He he lost somebody that he felt like was his responsibility. And I think that plays a 
a huge part in the MCU and why it kind of why it's kind of devastating that Spider-Man is no longer a part of it because you know in in some ways Iron Man was kind of like a father for Peter Parker. Yeah. And you know, I the first thing the first thing he says now it was like the first or second thing he says to Captain America when he gets back to Earth is I lost the kid. And then, you know, and as the movie progresses, you see pictures of him and Peter Parker in his kitchen. Spider-Man was supposed to be the next face of the MCU for Phase 4. Yeah. And it's just, it really hurts the MCU a lot. It, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Like, the MCU is, again, like, it's gonna be hard being like, oh, now I have to go watch this new movie that's coming out, you know? Like, wait, wait, if Black, like, Black Widow, cool, I, I, I've always kind of wanted to see a Black Widow movie. It's going to be hard for them to do, you know? She's not that eccentric of a character as, they made her an eccentric character, which I give the MCU props for, but, you know, like, throughout the series, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's Black Widow, she's normal, she, 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 can, she can fucking whip people and fucking beat people with a stick, and that's pretty yeah. sick. Wow. Like, you know, it, it's cool, and I would love to go to the movies to see that, but without the forefront, like, where is this going, which is what Spider-Man was supposed to, again, be the baseline for. Like, Spider-Man was supposed to be the new Tony Stark. Like, oh, here's where it's going. Here's here's the person that you're supposed to be focusing on, and where is he going? Where, where Sp- like, Iron Man went to Thanos, Spidey was going to blank. We don't have that anymore, you know? So, like like I said, it's going to be hard being like, oh, yeah, let's go see the new Marvel movie. We don't know where the fuck it's going. We don't know what's, what's going on anymore. We don't know why we're introducing these characters. We don't know who the main one is supposed to be. It, it, it really puts the MCU in a really bad spot. Um, I, feel like, I feel like the Black Widow movie is going to be kind of like the Han Solo movie in some ways. Because in the Han Solo movie, you went and saw it, but watching the original trilogy you basically knew everything that was going to happen in the han solo movie there's i mean they did the kessel run he he met lando he stole the falcon he did all that and um i know at the end of the movie they he he hints towards going to job of the hut you know to get some work done but um you know in the mcu there was a lot of talk about um i mean here and there there was a lot of talk about black widow's past and how it was dark, and how she became who she was to be, how she worked for Hydra for a little bit, but then she started to work for S.H.I.E.L.D., how she was Russian, and now she doesn't want to be Russian anymore, you know, there's, (laughs) she's just all over the place, so I mean, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, you didn't really get a, you didn't really see it visually, what her past was like, but you heard a lot of it, I think the only thing that we really saw was, um, Wanda Maximoff, that's her name, right? Yeah. Um, when she uh, in Age of Ultron, when she put a vision in her head, and there was like that gl- that vision of her past, where she had to shoot somebody or whatever it was. That's pretty much all we got. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean MCU prequels are cool. I liked Captain Marvel. It didn't really. I mean, it's just a it's just a kind of movie that I would watch on the side, you know. Yeah. Again, Captain Marvel was very awkwardly placed. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked it. It's just. It, it didn't feel as important to me as, you know, such, like, the Avengers. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, I still feel like there's still a lot to look forward to in the MCU. I mean, I heard that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was supposed to be kind of horror-like. Yeah. I heard that that was supposed to be the, the first horror-type 
movie in the MCU. I mean, that kind of that kind of got my attention. Yeah, I mean, that gives me something to look forward to. With with the MCU, like there is like, even looking at the looking at the Phase Four pictures we have it. It looks exciting. It looks awesome. Like I, I even like the way that Thor: Love and Thunder reminds me of the way that um, like Conan the Barbarian looks. You know, it kind of looks like '80s style. And you know, with I think you put it perfectly comparing <coughs> the Black Widow to Han Solo, where what is it called the the sequels to the Star Wars? You know, there was like here's Han Solo, and then here's Han Solo's death. You know, and throughout you know throughout the prequels, it was like oh yeah, you know Han Solo, like or like uh, you know. Um, a New Hope and all those. Like you, you knew who Han Solo was. Here's Han Solo. He references backstory about how he was like an outlaw of of his sorts. You know, he was a smuggler and he was this. Like that's what Han Solo was. And then when he died, you know, it was like okay, that's the end of Han Solo. We know who Han Solo was up until he died. And it was, like, the Han Solo story came out and it was like here's Han Solo the way that you didn't see him. Here's here's him before all this. And it kind of connects it all together in a weird way. Black Widow, I feel like, is going to be the same way. Like, here's Natasha Romanov all the way through Infinity War into Endgame where she does die. And then here's Black Widow explaining who she was. You know, like, kind of just connecting that story, giving you an overall picture. Because, you know, Han Solo never got a side movie. You know, neither did Luke Skywalker or anything like that. But with the MCU, it was like, here's three Iron Man movies. Here's technically three, uh, here's a Black Panther movie. They kind of introduced characters through movies of their own, and Black Widow never had that. So then it was like, you know, we killed her off, she was important to the story, and here is a, you know, here's kind of like a, a nod to the fans. Here's that for you. Here's that movie. They're gonna. It's a little. It's a little cash slide underneath the table. Like you're okay with her dying. You know. Like yeah. here's her movie. You know. And that, that's exactly what they did with Solo. Like it, Han Solo died out of nowhere. I mean, we all kind of knew it was gonna happen. Like I remember walking in the theater. Like Han Solo's done, dude. Like despite the spoilers, I knew he was done. Yeah. And that like their Han Solo story movie was like again. It was a cash grab underneath the table. Like there's that for you. Like you you can have this movie. As long as you're okay with with Han Solo dying, it know? just kind of seems like Black Widow is gonna be kind of like the side to the main entree. You know, it's yeah. like it's like you gotta, it's like you got the whole MCU with the Avengers and stuff, where they're the orange chicken, but then the Black Widow is the rice. Yeah, <laughs> that's what exactly. that's what it is. Yeah. and you always you always like it's just kind of there. You yeah. Know? And, so, I mean, it is exciting. I am excited to see what Phase 4 brings. It looks exciting. Um, Absolutely. New people are being introduced. And I would really like to see how this all connects in the end towards Phase 5 and whatnot. Again, how Thanos eventually connected everything together. Um, I really can't wait. It's, it's going to be a new path. It's going to be very different. And I hope that fans like us or even fans who are just now getting into the MCU when it started coming out through Infinity War and whatnot... I hope that you guys are open to different things. Like, you know, the Marvel has a very hard reputation to keep when it comes to making good movies after Infinity War. That's what everybody was waiting for, and now we don't know what we're waiting for. Yeah, exactly. So I, I hope mean, everybody looks at that. I mean, it does look like the MCU fans are going to be kind of busy. I mean, I myself am excited for Disney+. Plus. I'm definitely going to get that streaming service just, you know, purely because of um season seven of the clone wars and uh the marvel shows <clears throat> but let's see it looks like we got one two three four we got five shows coming out i mean i would i would love to watch the falcon and the winter soldier i don't know about wandavision i don't know about hawkeye i mean i'll still watch them because you know that's that i just i love the mcu and i like to see like 
I like to see what goes on on every part, every aspect of it, you know? Yeah. I don't know how WandaVision is going to be because the last time we saw Vision was in Infinity War when he died. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be where is he's resurrected or if it's going to be kind of what was going on in between Civil War and Infinity War because I know that that's when Civil War is kind of like where their relationship kind of sparked. Yeah. And then Infinity War is where it ended, where he died. So that's going to be interesting to see. I have a feeling that Loki is going to take place in an alternate universe where, you know, the one where they went back in time and then Loki actually took the Tesseract and kind of escaped with it. And then they're like, oh, shit, we lost the Tesseract. We got to go back even further now to get more pin particles and um, steal the steal the Tesseract from a different time. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know about Hawkeye. Hawkeye, I, I see, and that's the hard thing too is with with Hawkeye in Endgame, he became Ronin. You know that was that was yeah. his storyline, like where he became like this kind of not outlaw, but like the embodiment of vigilante, like kind of like how Batman became. Like, oh yeah, like some fucked up shit happens to him, he's just gonna go around fucking people up, like you know, and that's. That's kind of what Batman is, and that's what Ronan is, you know? So Hawkeye, I, I have a feeling it's going to kind of be Green Arrow-esque, or like Flash-esque, where it's like, oh, here's the creation of how this person became a hero, and now here's all these small little storylines. Like, again, with Flash and, and, and Arrow, you know, it was like, here's a character, here's all these sub-stories. And I think that's what they're going to do with Hawkeye, kind of building up into, yeah, here's where he was in the MCU, versus... Here's the Hawkeye show, who he was, how he was made, and what happened to him prior to the MCU. I kind of wonder if it'll have something to do with his daughter. Yeah, I, I thought the same Like, thing. maybe his daughter taking on the mantle of Hawkeye in some way, shape, or form. Because I know that, you know, they kind, they kind of teased it in, in the beginning well, of Endgame. It, yeah. So, even watching... Uh, I mean, both you and I have seen the the next Avengers that were, you know, the the kids yeah. of the. I mean, Hawkeye's son was the new Hawkeye, so I mean, it, it would be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, there. I feel like that could go in many ways. It could be a a prequel sort. It could be, you know, his legacy sort. There's a lot of things that could. There's a lot of directions that the Hawkeye show could go. I mean, there's a lot of directions that all these shows could go. Um, one thing about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that I read somewhere that the Falcon won't be the next Captain America in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But that is just kind of weird to me because I don't know if it's true or not. But I mean, looking at it, you you clearly see Captain America's shield. It's there. Yeah. So I don't know if what I read was true or not. I think it was something that IGM posted. Maybe. I'm not sure. But... It it is kind of shaky because I, I, I heard the same exact thing. Um, but I do know that I, I specifically remember at the end of Civil War comic line, like, Captain America was killed. Like, he was put on trial. Like, you know, he, he gave himself to the government was like, you know, what I've been doing is wrong. He went to trial. Well, not, not that what he was doing was wrong, but he was like, I have been committing crimes. You know, I have been doing this. So he went to trial on what he did and was killed and the Falcon became the new Captain America. Like that that's how I remember that. I remember the Falcon becoming Captain America. Like that was a part 
in the like in the comics, you know. So them referencing that in Endgame, like, oh yeah, here, that's your shield now. Like Cap giving his shield to Falcon, cool fucking moment because you know that that I love I loved it. I love the way that they did the, the send off with Cap and is like, you know, here Captain America still needs to exist, you know. So the Falcon picking up the mantle of Captain America, it is scary. And if they do decide to make Falcon not Captain America, it, it, it can be very scary with what they do with it. Because Captain America, again, he's always been one of those characters that's been the forefront of Marvel. Same with Iron Man, especially Iron Man, even with Spidey. And again, if you remove Spidey and Captain America and Iron Man within the within the same year or two, you know, again, that's coming out in the fall of 2020, Captain America, or the Falcon Winter Soldier, you know, that's, that's next year. If you kill yeah. Iron Man... You fucking Thanos snap fucking Spidey out of the MCU and Sony forever, as far as we're concerned. And then you get rid of Captain America as well, like, all within those two years. Like, I, I feel like that could be a really, really hard hit that the MCU is going to inflict on themselves. Like, they're, they're going to be punching themselves in the face. So, I mean, it's going to be kind of like a falling and getting back up thing, you know. The MCU, they have, and Disney, they, they have to get back up from where they are. And I think the big question is, at this point, is will they even be able to do it? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, at, at this point, it's kind of just hit or miss. Like, we kind of just have to see where they're going. And, you know, it's... I mean, I don't have much more to say on this topic, really. And I've, I've said everything that needs to be said. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm disappointed. Marvel, get your shit together. Sony, <laughs> get your shit together. I'm really hoping to see that you guys bring something new and just as exciting as Phase 1 through 3, you know. It was, it was cool. So, I mean, if you have anything more to say. Um, you know, at this point, I mean, I, again, there's still that lingering hope in me that, you know, hopefully that Sony and Disney can come to some type of agreement because I, I feel like, I feel like we need Spider-Man in the MCU to be successful in order for the MCU to be successful or to keep being successful because I know they are are successful but in order for them to keep being successful and for the MCU to get better I feel like Spider-Man is just a a really important aspect that we need to have. Yeah, exactly. He's the only familiar the only really important familiar character that we have going into phase 4. I mean, Thor, Doctor Strange, all that Hawkeye, Black Widow, with Captain America and Loki, you know, like those are familiar characters, but they're not as much of a strong arm when it came to uh, importance as you know as Spidey was, especially at the end of Phase Three, making him the mantle of Iron Man, you know, like the the pinnacle of the MCU. It, it's gonna be hard, but again, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see where this goes. Um, so moving on from that topic. Uh, we have been kind of making little references here and there throughout the episode towards Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker, Star Wars in general, Star Wars theory. Um, and as a kind of bonus to the end of this episode for being the first ever podcast that me, myself, have created and had a, go like a guest host on, I think that I owe it to you guys to add a little bonus that we're going to talk about the Star Wars trailer and what we thought about it. Rise of Skywalker, Chris is a huge fan of it. Um, huge. Probably the biggest fan I've ever met. You know, my, uh, my father, the uh, owner of Tap In Geek Out, has been 
you know, he's always been the Star Wars lover and the guy who knew most about canon was the biggest Star Wars fan I ever knew. And then Chris came along and, you know, everything was blown out of proportion when it came to, you know, what's canon, what's not canon. It's fucking characters I never even fucking heard of before. You know, um, lightsaber colors I didn't even know were possible, you know. And Chris is the person to talk to you about that, which is a reason that I felt he was, again, good to be on the show, especially for Spider-Man and even more specifically towards Star Wars. So... I'm going to let you start off on what do you think of the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker trailers? Oh, well, I I think the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker trailer was absolutely beautiful. You know, it, it got me excited. Yeah. It has me asking questions. And, you know, I mean, with that, I still have a lot of expectations that I hope, I think, I think they will, but I still hope that I they will still, you know they will still meet my expectations because one i mean in star wars episode three revenge of the sith we all got the lightsaber battle the most beautiful lightsaber battle that probably any star wars fan has ever seen yeah it was yeah it was it was intense it was emotional it was it was really dynamic there's it's 100 percent the best lightsaber battle i've ever seen and i'm hoping I'm hoping that we'll get that. I mean, it looks like we will. I mean, you mean you see, you see in Star Wars Episode Three, they're fighting around a bunch of lava, mm-hmm. and it looks like in Star Wars Episode Nine, given that cl- that little glimpse of Rey and Kylo um, battling, it looks like they're on the 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 remnants of Death Star, yeah, and they're surrounded by water. So yeah. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a good opposite mirror in a way. It's like a it's a it mirrors episode three in a way, but it's also the opposite. Yeah. You know, in, in one episode we have lava and the other we have water. Yeah. And I think that'll be cool to see because we've never really had a lightsaber battle where they're surrounded by water, you know. We've had one where they're inside of... We've had some where they're inside of buildings. I mean, most of them are... I mean, I think the only two outdoor lightsaber battles that we see is a, a Star Wars Episode Seven where they're on Starkiller Base and they're surrounded by snow, and then Episode Three where they're battling on Mustafar. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think there is any other outdoor ones besides that. I mean, there's that small little snippet of Qui Gon and <laughs> and uh, Darth Maul in Episode One, but that doesn't really count as a full lightsaber battle. Yeah, rip um, Qui Gon by the way. I think the biggest thing that there's, I think there's two big things that caught uh, fans' attention in the, in the two trailers that we've gotten so far. In the first trailer, at the very end of it, there was Emperor Palpatine's laugh. Yeah. And we were like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Yeah. Hold up. This dude this dude died in episode six. We, we literally saw him fall down and explode. Yeah. And then we hear his laugh, and then there's all these questions rising. There's like, did he come back to life? Did he... Did he this, is it a clone it, did he find the path to immortality kind of like the way Darth Plagueis wanted to is it a hologram I don't know if I said that already or not but um there are those questions and then and then the poster leaked yeah and then Palpatine's big old wrinkly forehead is right there in our <laughs> yeah. faces yeah and that you know that's that's just crazy you know yeah. you don't you don't know what's there's just a lot of questions there how does palpatine what is palpatine's role in episode 9 what are his intentions is he the big villain is he you know like how how is he going to play a part in the end of the skywalker saga yeah 
And um, I, you know, I, really quickly before we get a little bit like deeper into this, I think we can both concur, you and me, that I trust J.J. Abrams fully when it comes to what he is going to do with this next movie. Absolutely. Ryan Johnson is like, you know, he's <sighs> he was good. I appreciate his his love and like fanaticism towards Star Wars, you know, and and understanding what's canon and what's not, but. Ryan, you can go fuck yourself with Ryan's <laughs> dick, dude. I, I, it was, it was an okay movie. All right, I'll give you the okay benefit of the doubt purely because it had a Star Wars title, not because you were the director of it. Now, J.J. Abrams, again, you, you agreed with me that I trust wherever he goes with it. Mm-hmm. I think that this is the, this is the pinnacle moment. Like again, referencing back to the MCU, Disney owns Star Wars. Like so, if they lose Spidey and they fuck up the end of this movie with J.J. Abrams messing it up, they just lost their two forefronts of cinema entirely. So, J.J., the fucking ball's in your court, dude. Like, you, you really have yeah. to make sure that you do this right or else you're messing a lot up when it comes to two different fan bases. You know, or Disney, in general, is messing up when it comes to two different fan bases. And the thing I love about J.J. that Ryan Johnson doesn't have is that... JJ respects the creator of Star Wars. Yeah. It's it's already been like 100% confirmed that he has actually sat down and talked with George Lucas because, you know, George Lucas is the he is the father of Star Wars. He's the one who created it. So, yeah, Disney owns Star Wars, but, you know, JJ is the writer. He is the director of this new movie. So, I mean, the thing that I love most about JJ is that he actually has the decency to go back to the creator who doesn't even own the franchise anymore to go back and sit down with him and be like, Hey, you created this story. I think you and I should together should talk about how it should end. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, that's what the thing that I love most about JJ is that he respects the source. Yeah. And you, you can even like, like you said, all those little small points with, um, the, the lightsaber battle around the lava between Skywalker, between Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan. And now you can see Rey, whatever her last name is, question mark, question mark, question mark, who we have yet to see, versus Ben Solo, you know, who is, has Skywalker blood around water. You know, so it's like these, you can see the kind of respect that he has towards the Star Wars in general. You know, Ryan Johnson, again... The Star Wars title is what made that movie good. I It was okay. I liked what they kind of did with Luke. It was all right. While with J.J., I feel like he would have done something completely different. Like, I feel like J.J. would have gotten rid of Luke Skywalker. I felt like that needed to happen because the focus can't be on Luke anymore. You know, he was, he was the most important person throughout pretty much all the movies except for the prequels when it was Anakin, you know? So it was like... Here's the focus on Luke Skywalker, and everyone was at the end of the first at the end of the first movie, The Force Awakens. Yeah. At the end of Force Awakens, it was like, oh yeah, here's Luke, and everyone was like, what the fuck? Like that was what everyone focused on was like, why the fuck didn't we get more Luke? And the second movie was like, here's Luke, fuck Luke, like he he's gone. Here's Luke, but he's an asshole. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know they sent him off. Yeah, exactly. You know they they sent him off in a really good way. Like they they got rid of him in a. In a really well-deserved way, you know, we got the kind of kind of lightsaber battle that we were kind of wanting. Not really; it was disappointing once you kind of realized what was going on. And but Luke went off the way that I felt like was best. I didn't want to see him get chopped in half. I didn't want to see him fucking die of fucking old age. I wanted to see him be sent off in a way that a Jedi or someone of force-wielding capabilities 
was sent off. You and, know, and that JJ. he did. And that he did, you know. I think it was just a... I think the thing with The Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson is that Ryan Johnson, he kind of took advantage of the series. Like, he doesn't care what George Lucas did or, like, what his vision is. He just wanted to make his own movie. He wanted to make his own story. You know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of interviews like that that revolves around um, Ryan Johnson and him talking about, well, I want to make this movie the way I want to make it. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I hated about it. You know, he didn't he didn't really think about the fans. He thought about making the movie that he wanted to make. And there's an interview in the past where he says, well, I want to make a movie where half the fans walk out hating it and half the fans walk out loving it. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I think. I, don't get me wrong, Ryan Johnson is a great director. I think I think the thing that makes him a great director is the the visuals of the movie. Yeah. And the acting. Oh yeah, I, I thought that again, the Star Wars, if it was just a Star Wars movie, it was incredible. It was the fact that Ryan Johnson slapped his you, you could tell but, he made it. You could tell the difference between him and JJ's movies. Yeah, but when it comes to storytelling it just didn't really feel like Star Wars, you know. Yeah. It was, it was different. Yeah. It wasn't the. It just. I don't know. It wasn't what fans wanted or what or what they expected. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And you know, it, 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 it did. It did, place a somewhat good placeholder for it. You know, when it when it comes to looking at Force Awakens and then the next movie, The Force Last Awakens, Jedi. Yeah, and The Last Jedi. When you see the two. The Force Awakens was good. It was a big, solid block. And then you look at, you know, The Last Jedi, and it's like, it's a block, but it's not as sturdy. Like, it's there, it's cool, it's okay, it it was alright when I first saw it, and then after I watched a couple times, it was a little bit worse, like, each time I watched <laughs> yeah. it. But, you know, it still holds its place. And I don't think it's bad in any means, but I don't think that it holds up the Star Wars name that it lives underneath, you know? Yeah, and every time I find myself watching that movie, I just want to skip through that Canto Bite scene yeah, so yeah, bad because it was Bite. just it was just weird. Yeah. It was just so weird. I did not like it. It didn't feel like Star Wars. It felt like... I don't even know what it felt like because I can't even compare it to any other thing that I've seen. I mean, maybe Star Trek, but... I mean, I think... I don't even like Star Trek. I'm not a big fan, but... It was just weird. I didn't like it. It seemed irrelevant because you know Finn, Finn and Rose are sent to go to this, to this guy called um, what's his name, the master, the the master codebreaker or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, really? That's his name. The, yeah. That's his name, the master codebreaker. So yeah. they go to Cannabite. They don't even end up finding the master code. I mean, they find him, but then they end up getting locked up, and then they end up saving some alien horse things Fucking, yeah yeah and then, and then they leave and it's just it's just weird it was, um, awkward. It was really awkward like i didn't like it at yeah all. no i think the only good thing that came out of cantabite was that weird fucking big tit lady that was dropping <laughs> that was the only good part like yeah exactly would have been like hey rose let's go to cantabite fucking gold tit lady and then fucking them leaving it would have been a perfect movie that would have been that would have been jj abrams produced like that's a perfect movie absolutely but i mean I think the things I find the most enjoyable about The Last Jedi is the throne room scenes, both of them. The one where Snoke is having a conversation with Kylo, where he's saying, you know, you failed. A girl that has never even wielded a lightsaber bested you. What the fuck? You're supposed to be, you know, this, the grandfather of Darth Vader. You're supposed to be 
you know, the potential, the potential of your bloodline is supposed to be so much more than what you have shown me. Yeah. And it shows that emotional side. And I love that. And I loved, I loved the, what happened when Ray arrived in the throne, the throne room. Um, I don't know how I felt about Snoke dying per se, but if it leaves an open door for Palpatine to come back, I guess I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm open arms to fucking Palpatine. Like the second I heard it, I was like, we needed something like that. Yeah. Like Snoke, like, dude, Snoke, I don't want to see his old, like, it would be depressing to watch his ass get off the throne and try to fight someone. Like, <laughs> it would be depressing. Yeah. I would just be like, oh, dude, just, just turn the lightsaber off and sit back down. Like, you know, I think the thing is know, with Snoke is that there was a lot of talk before even The Force Awakens came out. It was like, who is this guy? Is he Darth Plagueis? Like, how how did he come to his power? How how powerful is he in the dark side? How Who trained him? I mean, I know that there it's confirmed that he has one other apprentice, or he has has had one other apprentice but we don't know who yeah exactly and, and with it he just didn't again it didn't it didn't feel right like snoke was good and i liked like again with the force awakens we never personally saw snoke he was a hologram kind of how palpatine showed up through like half the series half the older movies you know it was like he's a hologram he's telling everyone what to do he's like this mastermind behind like behind a curtain that everybody knows and he's intimidating while it's with snoke i like that in force awakens again he was that guy behind the curtain this hologram that was kind of just like puppeting everybody and i like that that was what palpatine kind of was with episode four through four through uh six you know like that was important well and then in the second movie you kind of saw him and again it was like depressing like it was like yeah. watching stephen hawking fucking trying to control <laughs> the force you know it was it was unfortunate while in the third movie, this third, no, this next one coming up, it here's Palpatine. These the like you know the pinnacle of what made all six Star Wars Star Wars. Like he was the main enemy, and you know he kind of just yeah he doesn't fucking die by falling down a well. Fuck no, that's Palpatine, <laughs> bro. Like he he comes back in this this laugh, you know, and that's very sinister. And I think they set up that very well. Like, here's yeah. Palpatine, here's him falling down a well, end of Palpatine. Just kidding. Ha, 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 ha. Literally, here's Palpatine. I think the thing that I love most about J.J. Abrams, too, is that when he drops a Star Wars trailer, you don't know exactly what's going on in the movie. Yeah. It, it gets you excited. It leaves you asking questions. It leaves people, like, coming up with their own theories. But... You see, I mean, you saw, you just you just don't know what's happening. You really only see images. I mean, um, the thing, the thing that was most, uh, the, I mean, the th there are things in the Star Wars trailer that people have noticed, um, such as that one scene in this trailer where um, they're in the Millennium Falcon and they come up onto this huge fleet of Star Destroyers. If you look closely, those are not First Order Star Destroyers. Mm -hmm. Those are actual Empire Star Destroyers. And, I mean, my guess is that they're in the Unknown Regions. And I don't even think that those Star Destroyers are even active or there's anybody on them. I kind of think they're idle. Just yeah. kind of parked in, in space. I mean, that's what I think. Yeah. Because they're, how, how could they go against that many Star Destroyers? They can't. I mean, yeah. that's kind of... It's... it's kind of corny if you ask me if you think that they're going to go up against that many Star Destroyers. Yeah, and, and even when I saw it, I remember seeing, I remember watching the trailer, 
And then even, I think it was today, I tagged you in each frame by frame that people took still shots of the trailer. Like, here's this. Here's an important thing to know. Here's an important thing to know. And I remember seeing the fleet of Star Destroyers, and it, was, it wasn't that intimidating. Like, when, when I used to watch those original six movies, you saw one Star Destroyer, and it was yeah. intimidating as a motherfucker. It was like, oh, fuck, that's a Star Destroyer. And then... And this, it was like, here's seven million of them or whatever, and it's like, that's not as intimidating. Like, it didn't feel like that was going to be a real, like, again, it was going to be a real problem that our heroes are going to have to face. You know, they didn't, they didn't even look like they were turned on, per se. You know, there was no lights on. They didn't look, again, there was no fucking, there was no TIE fighters fucking, you know, aborting out of those fucking things. You know, it, it was, yeah. it, it was just a fleet of them. Like you said, it looked idle. It didn't look like they had life, like life to it. So I agree with you that it, it just kind of looked like they were there. It wasn't intimidating. I don't think it's supposed to be super important. I think it's there to mislead us. Like, I think J.J. Abrams is very good at misleading. Like, he'll Absolutely. show one thing in the trailer, and then you watch the movie, and that particular scene or shot comes up, and it's something completely different from what you thought. Exactly. That's the thing that I love most about J.J., and I, I think the same way goes for the the scene that is being mostly talked about now that you saw from the trailer is... um. It shows Ray in dark robes and a double-bladed lightsaber that it happens to be red, where she kind of looks lifeless. She has no facial expression. She, I mean, she looks like she's just full-on dark side. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think there's a few main theories that has come up. I mean, one being that that's a clone. Mm. Um, I feel like that's possible. Um, being that there is that the the cave scene in Star Wars Episode Eight where she goes into that cave, that dark side cave, and there's um versions of herself where she you know she touches the glass and she wants to see who her parents was, but the person who ends up showing up in the glass was herself. So I think that's one thing that could lead to the possible outcome of her being a clone. Yeah. The second theory is that it's a vision. Yeah. Which. To be honest, I feel like that could be the most likely one. I think that is the most likely one. Um, why sh why anybody or her or whoever has that vision? I don't know why that would happen, or if somebody maybe such as Palpatine made somebody see that and be like, "Look, this is what you could become if you follow this path." It's just it just leaves a lot of questions. Yeah. And there's another thing going on in that that particular part in the trailer. Where if you look really closely, there is a ring on her finger. And a lot of people have speculated that that could be Snoke's ring. But if you look closely, it's not. But there there has been a thing with rings yeah. in this, in the new trilogy, in the sequel trilogy. I mean, in, on Snoke's ring, I mean, it was uh, by the metal of the, the statues of Dwarty. Mm -hmm. um, which were um, the the statues in Palpatine's office in Episode Three, and then the black obsidian ring on it, which is found under the catacombs of Darth Vader's castle. Yeah. So that that leaves a lot of questions, like why is she wearing a ring? Why is there so many rings going on up in this in, in this sequel trilogy? I don't know. Um, to be honest, I think I think Snoke's ring plays a big part. And I think it connects to Palpatine in a way. The reason why I say that is because in the new, in one of the the newer canon uh, Star Wars comics, the, it's a it revolves around Darth Vader and and like when he's actually building Vader's castle. There's a scene where I think he steals a helmet from the Jedi Temple that belonged to an ancient Sith Lord called Darth Momin, and whenever that helmet is 
placed on somebody else's head. Lord Moment possesses them, and he controls their body. Yeah, it happened to Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that ring could have some type of connection to maybe Palpatine, mm. maybe controlling Snoke. I don't know, but yeah, and you know, I just. With with Ray holding that fold out fucking awesome ass lightsaber, as much as I would like to see that, I don't think that's where the series should go. You know, like I personally don't think that JJ would be like, you know, here's char- even with Ryan Johnson, here's a character who doesn't even know who she is. Oh yeah, she's a Sith now. You know, I like I said earlier, I do agree that it is probably a vision. I think it's supposed to make Ray question even more because that was kind of the whole basis of episode eight was like, what is going on? Like, why why can Ray and Kylo see each other? Who are we supposed to be, you know? And that has always been the question of, one has to stay dark, one has to stay light, or the gray order comes into play where they just kind of come to terms and don't fight each other anymore. There is no Sith, there is no Jedi, there is the Force. You know, and that that's, I think, what we're heading towards. You know, it was even referenced in Episode 8 with, with Luke and the, the old texts of the Jedi. You know, that was the Grey Order symbol. Even in the trailer of Episode 8, I remember seeing that. And, like, that's the Grey Order. Like, that's that's not Jedi. That's not Sith. There's no reason that they would bring that into play if they were going to fucking give Rey an awesome-ass lightsaber and not let her kill people with it. You know, so it's like... With Rey, I, I can see her becoming a Sith. I really can. I do think that that is a possible outcome of what we've been seeing through se- episode 7 and 8. I think they could switch with Kylo and Rey. I do think that there could be that like switch up where Ben Ben Solo becomes you know a Jedi and Rey becomes a Sith because it's, it's always been them questioning who they are and what they're supposed to be. Again, like Rey, something's always been there. I don't know what it is, but it's always been there. You know, like... That that it has a lot of open interpretation of what that could potentially become. It has a lot of pathways. Same with same with Ben. You know, with 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 Kylo, he's constantly questioning what he's doing. Like he killed his dad, but you can see that he's questioning every little thing that he does. Like, is it like almost as if he's like, is this what I'm supposed to do, or is this really what I want, or like, did I do that because I wanted to, or was it because Snoke wanted to? You can see that constant like dabbling in what the fuck is going on between the two characters so i could see that happening but that specific part of the trailer what jj chose to show us i think it was supposed to be one of those misleading shots i do think it was supposed to be a vision although like i'll say it again i do think that ray could become sith i do think that roles could be switched yeah i i mean it's possible i mean anything is possible with star wars um the thing with me is that i just i mean this is the last skywalker movie so how would how would that play into a satisfying ending that we all want and deserve? Yeah, I Which just Star Wars has always been good at. I just I don't know how that would happen. Like I don't know how she could turn to the dark side and then we could also get a satisfying ending at the same time. But you know anything is possible with Star Wars. Maybe maybe he can pull it off. Maybe he will. She will go dark side, but we'll still get that satisfying ending. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, he's an amazing writer and director, and to be honest, I have a hundred percent faith in him. So, yeah. it, and if I were to like, I'm gonna make you do the same thing. If I were to put my, if I were to have two things that I would like to see in this next movie, the first one would be someone has to die. I think that my the way that I would like to see it is Ray dies, 
or or Kylo dies. I th- there has to be one. It, you know, I'd be happy if they didn't. I'd be happy if there was some kind of agreement, like again, like the Gray Order, where it was kind of this middle gray area, literal gray area, where they can kind of coexist with each other, or one of them dies. I would like to see that. And the second one is Ben Swallow. I want to see <laughs> fuck. I want to see those abs again, dude. When he ripped <laughs> off that shirt and there was those memes, bro. The memes is what made that movie awesome, you know. Ben Swallow, if we could see your fucking sick abs again, I would love to see that. <laughs> I agree. Uh, <laughs> I mean, two my two expectations from this movie is I mean, I would like I would like to see Anakin come into play somehow because you know it, it's the Skywalker saga. Anakin, th- not Darth Vader. Yeah, Anakin, because you know when he was redeemed in Episode Six, he became Anakin Skywalker again as a Force ghost. Mm-hmm. I mean, before the Last Jedi came out, there was no hint whatsoever that Frank Oz came back to play as Yoda. Yoda, there was there was nothing. It all just kind of like smacked us in the face we were like you know we saw we saw the frame kind of slide over to the side and you saw yoda's ear and we were all just kind of pointing at the screen like that that's yoda you know and so i mean i hope that hayden christensen can come back or i hope that he has come back to do the same thing and just kind of surprise us all with that i would love to see that maybe a forest goes to a force ghost obi-wan i mean we've already saw yoda or see all three of them yeah i feel like i feel like that would be great because i would love to see i would love to see you know what anakin has been doing yeah this whole time because you know he's i mean in a way he's alive Mm -hmm. you know he's not he's not necessarily dead i mean becoming a force ghost is also a way of becoming immortal but living in the netherworlds of the force not living in the the what's it called you know the actual living galaxy yeah, like what we can see it's yeah. kind of like living in between it all you yeah. know and that's what i that's it's it's immortality and when you're a force ghost you can you can see everything that happens in the future you can see everything that happens in the past you don't exist neither in the past or present or future you're just you're everywhere you are a part of the force yeah and that's what i you know, I want to see what Anakin has been doing or what he or his relationship with Luke or his relationship with Kylo even like if he can talk to Kylo and be like, yo, like I know you've admired me, but you know, I would like it if you would admire me in my Jedi form rather than my Sith form because I did a lot of terrible things and I was a Sith Lord. Yeah. You know, these are things that I would like to see. I mean, Forest Ghost, Anakin, Obi Wan, Yoda, and you know, just a satisfying ending. That those are my two expectations. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have any expectations for the direction of Kylo or Rey. I mean, I feel like whatever happens, happens. But you know, this is the Skywalker saga. George Lucas has said himself that. Yes, Luke was a main character in the original trilogy, but nonetheless, Anakin Skywalker has always been the main character of Star Wars. You know, the the um the first three. I mean, the the prequels was about his fall. I mean, yeah, his fall, and then the original trilogy was about his redemption. Yeah, 
and you know that it also leads to the to the question of why is it called the rise of skywalker is this a new faction of force users rather no jedi no sith but the skywalkers you know based on i mean named after legends i mean anakin skywalker and luke skywalker yeah is it does it mean that anakin will come back does it mean that luke will come back you know it's just that's the one thing is that i need it i need it to connect with all the movies in the past and i need it to revolve around the skywalkers because it feels like the first two movies haven't really revolved much around the skywalkers yeah exactly and and i agree with that and that's uh, i'm really again i'm hoping that jj like kind of reassures us with that whole idea is because like you know ray again has been questioned like is she obi-wan's daughter is she skywalker's daughter is she just some random chick that fucking got the force which technically i mean from what i've heard is not possible but in my eyes i would really like to see something again like you said happen with the skywalker this is like you said the skywalker saga like and after this there is no more Skywalker. Like, that's been confirmed. There is no more Skywalker. Like, there will be no reference to Anakin. Maybe reference to them, like, who they were. But there is nothing about or in or around them. You know, the Skywalker is now, after this movie, complete. Like, that is done. Mm-hmm. That is a told story. So, if if they were to bring Rey out and say, oh, she's a Skywalker, which... I, I would be semi-okay with. Um, I mean, Kylo is a Skywalker. He's a solo Skywalker. You know, he, he is 100%, 50%. No, yeah, 50%. He's 50% Skywalker. Like, that's how he got his Force capabilities. Now, Rey, again, the, we know that with the Force, it does balancing. While with Snoke and Kylo, it was like, okay, here's two people over here that are Force wielders, and here's Rey, which, like, they're on opposite sides. One's on, the, like, the Jedi's, one's on the Sith, light and dark side. And, like, she just came out of nowhere. You know, like, we didn't really, we didn't really know if she was a Skywalker or not, but we do know that the Force balances out. It will always be balanced. You know, like, there's always a certain amount of Force or power between the two sides. You know, like, if there's two people over here on the dark side, then one person over here has the same amount of power as them in one person. So it's like, you know, it, if they were to explain that she was a Skywalker, I'd be okay with that. But at the same time, I do... I kind of I kind of hope that she is an Obi-Wan. I feel like with them saying, oh yeah, here's here's uh, here's Star Wars, you know, she might be an Obi-Wan, she, or she might be Obi-Wan's daughter, she might be a Skywalker, and then... Uh, like a couple weeks after showing the trailer and releasing the poster of of the new movie at D23 it's like oh yeah you know Ewan Ewan McGregor yeah Ewan McGregor oh yeah he's coming back to play Obi-Wan like an Obi-Wan standalone has been well earned and well deserved and everybody's been wanting to see that but why would that come directly after the movies like maybe like my my interpretation of that is we're gonna find out that Rey is an Obi-Wan or is like a like a daughter or whatever niece or I don't care um, a daughter of Obi Wan and then here's Obi Wan standalone movie like maybe what he was before what we've seen him when he was training Anakin or what happened to him while he was on Tatooine like, yeah Tatooine when he when he was on Tatooine what was he doing you know like and because we we've seen 
Obi-Wan when he was with Qui-Gon Jinn. So we've seen him in his younger state when he was kind of just like an apprentice, you know, and then he kind of moved up into a Jedi Knight and then he became a Jedi Master, you know, like that's when he was training Anakin. So we've seen that story, but we have not seen what he was on Tatooine, why the fuck he chose Tatooine, yeah. why he wanted to go there. Like it was for Luke, but like what was he doing when Luke was growing up, when he was letting him grow? Like, dude, maybe he went and got some fucking Tatooine pussy and that's how Ray came to be. Well, you know, like... I mean, uh, let me th- let me think about it here. Let me think about the timeline. I just I I haven't really seen that as a possible outcome. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to correct you on one thing though. It, it it's gonna be a, a Disney Plus show. It's not gonna be a standalone movie. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I mean, I feel like with that, I mean, it can't just be a show about what he's doing on Tatooine. I heard that it's gonna take place eight years after, but I feel like it's gonna explore a lot of different realms of what's going on as well maybe what's going on with darth maul around that time yeah i would or, love to see that yeah it would be pretty cool or you know just i it can't just be obi-wan on tatooine because like what what could go on on tatooine that's that interesting you know yeah, I mean, he's he's sitting he's living in his own little hut watching luke from afar while he like while he milks banthas or something, you know, like shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be interesting to see, yeah. but I think I think we've seen enough milking in the Star Wars universe yeah, yeah. now. The episode was a little bit too much. I've really seen enough. But um, you know, I'm definitely excited that Ewan McGregor is gonna come back to play Obi Wan in that show. I don't think the show is gonna be necessarily revolved around him and his character 100%. I don't think that he's going to be necessarily the main character. I mean, he could be a main character, but I feel like there's going to be a lot more to it than him just, you know, living his life on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, And I hope there it goes... I hope maybe it explores maybe other surviving Jedi of Order 66, what they're doing, what Yoda's doing. Maybe it'll go back to Dagobah. I mean, maybe... I mean, I feel like there has to be at least, like, three different sides to this show. One, maybe Obi-Wan's, another being maybe Yoda's or Darth Maul's, or then maybe another, somebody who isn't Force-sensitive, maybe a bounty hunter or something, or maybe even Jabba the Hutt, because, you know, he's on the same planet as Jabba. I mean, that's where Jabba lives, is Tatooine. So, you know, who knows? Maybe Boba Fett could come into play in this show. Who knows? Yeah, and, you know, I am really excited to see, you know, at, the, at this point, we've gotten all of our trailers, you know, it's coming out this December, it's the it's the end of it, all we have now is pure speculation, fan theory, um, that kind of good stuff, so, at this point in time, like I said earlier, dude, balls in JJ's court, like, he, he we, the fans were pissed off with, with episode 8, most of them were pissed off with episode 8, and... JJ is kind of our, you know, he's, he's our saving grace. Like, it's it's all on him now. Like, he has to complete everything that we know and love with the Skywalker saga. He has to complete it the way that everybody would see is fair and the way that everyone would see as satisfying. Like, that's the one thing is, I, I dude, it could, it could end up with fucking, you know, uh, with with Ray getting sliced into a million pieces and being a fucking amputee, you know, for the rest <laughs> of the days that she lives, and as long as that's satisfying, I'm okay, you know. Like yeah. if 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 they fuck this whole movie up, but the ending's okay, cool. At least I was satisfied. That's what I want to end on. Like I have been watching Star Wars since day one. You know, they came out before we were born. You yeah. Know, my my dad made me watch all the movies. I grew up with that. So it's like ending that 
part, almost that part of my lifestyle, you know, it has to be satisfying. And, and ending it with one movie is, it's unfair, but JJ, I feel, will make it fair. So, so I, I want to see it satisfying. That's all I ask of this. You know, the, the, the lightsaber battle is the second thing I ask. That's, those are the two things I ask of. I want to see a killer lightsaber battle, and JJ is the perfect person to do that. And two, again, it has to be satisfying. I want to, I want to walk away from the theaters saying, I was okay with that. Like, I am okay with it ending that way. I want to walk out with a half chub. I want JJ to make me happy with the way that he portrays the ending and how George Lucas and him wanted it to be. I 100% agree. And, you know, I think I have full faith that that's exactly what we're going to get. So, yeah. It, in all honesty, like I said, it balls in his court. We kind of have to see what's going to go from here. And, you know, it's speculation. And I'm going to continue to speculate. And, you know, I, I'm sure that you will, too. And we'll keep, we'll keep discussing that over, over the past, uh, you know, the next two or three months before it comes out. We do have a long ways to go until Star Wars is actually out. But for now, we got the trailers. We have eyeballs. That's what we got. We have, we have analysis. That's kind of what we have until the movie comes out. So for now, we're just kind of hanging on that. But, I mean, if you have anything more to say about that. I think I've said everything. Yeah. yeah. I, at this point, it's... Come on, JJ. You got this. Kevin Feige, fuck you. JJ Abrams, hell yes, dude. We're, we're excited to see. We're excited to see what you bring in the next Star Wars. I think it's gonna be fantastic. Um, I hope that MCU fixes what's going on in their fucking court. You know that's, ugh, it's terrifying. But I think some good things might come out of it. Maybe potentially we'll see. And Star Wars, that's the next big one. That's the next big thing that we're probably going to be covering. You know, uh, I look forward to that, and definitely we will have Chris back on the show. You know, it's uh, it, it's exciting to have him on. You know, I, I love having somebody that is of equal knowledge and experience with this kind of uh, pop culture realm when it comes to comics, when it comes to Star Wars, when it comes to depth of those two. Um, he's the person to go to. Um, so yeah, and Chris, like he has said before, he is a rap artist, he is a hip-hop and pop artist, um, so if you'd like to listen to his music, you can definitely find it on Spotify, you can find it on Apple Music, I'm sure you can find it on SoundCloud, you can find it on many different platforms, um, I will be putting a link to his music in the description if you would like to go listen to that. He is also coming out with a new album soon, um, which is yet to be determined when specifically, but you can go follow him, you can go find his music, and you will be able to find out when that album is specifically coming out when he decides to release that information so yeah for now thank you so much for being on the show thank you yeah it was it was a pleasure it really truly it was a pleasure to have you on um and yeah that is our first episode of down the beaten shaft and we will see you guys in the next episode